Welcome to the Small Bowler Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who did a very good job of putting yesterday when we went golfing. His name is Brandon Siegel. You know, Trevor, I, I really appreciate that compliment. Um, it, it was a fun time golfing. We had a little small ballers golf outing, I guess you could call it. It was at arguably the worst course I've ever played at. Uh, I'm bringing our, our favorite main contributor, Ben O'Brien. Ben, would you consider this the worst course you've ever played at? It's definitely up there. It was uh, There was a lot of problems with that golf course, and part of it, maybe I'm just upset because I feel like I didn't play that well, but um, I, I was not too happy with, with the course in general. But that, I mean, the thing is, I'm not good enough to where I should be complaining about the golf course. It really shouldn't matter the golf course I'm playing on, but I'm going to blame the golf course for my performance, so that's all I'm going to say about that. I will say, when I went back and looked at the scorecard, I, I those greens, that we had a lot of greens with a lot of mud on it, and I'd say, like, I think I one-putted six or seven times, so I, I feel pretty good about my putting that day. But enough about golf. Today, we have a super special guest that I've been very excited about bringing on the podcast. Uh, one of my good friends, Avery Van Reith. Um, Avery graduated from OHCU. I think, yeah, you're done, right? Yep, yep, finished in May. Just finished in May, and he was the, uh, I think you were the, were you the head basketball manager, or were you just one of the basketball managers? I was, I was the senior manager, so it, yes. either one. So he was the senior manager at The Ohio State University on the basketball team, so we're going to have a lot of really, really cool stories from him. But Avery, how are you doing today? I'm awesome. I almost think, appreciate you guys having me on the pod. Of course. It's always good to, you know, Sundays, especially around this time, are always great. You know, we got football, of course, the small baller podcast. I know, Avery, you're always looking forward to both of those things. Absolutely, absolutely. Hopefully uh, my Chargers later today can pull out a victory, but we played the Chiefs, so I don't want to even start on that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough. Maybe you can talk about your Chargers in a little bit, but let's let's get started today. Um, we got the NBA playoffs, Trevor, so why don't you start us off with uh, whichever game you'd like to, or whichever series you'd like to talk off, talk about first. Yeah, absolutely. So I definitely want to talk about uh, Game 7 of the Clippers and Nuggets series. Um, it was a little bit of a collapse. It was not good for the Clippers, and uh their two stars have been taking a lot of heat, I would say rightfully so, with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. So I want to just um, talk a little bit about that game before we get into the conference finals. Now, watching this game for me was really surreal because I thought going into it, going into the series, I thought that the Clippers would win six games. And then even when it got to Game 7, I still was confident. I was like, you know what, the Clippers are too talented. I really don't think that they're going to let uh, the Nuggets make another 3-1 comeback. So I thought the Clippers would win. That's not what happened at all. The Nuggets had a 15-point win, 104-89. to um, and, and Kawhi Leonard did not have a great game. He shot 6 of 22, which is below 30%. Um, Efficiency-wise, 14 points. Paul George also not with a great game, shooting 4 of 16, 10 points. So... Really, it, it's just, it's not great for as far as like Kawhi Leonard's legacy. You know, he's supposed to be, some people think he's the best player in the NBA. Um, I, I am not one of those people by any stretch of the imagination, but some people think that. And if you are being dubbed by some as the greatest player in the NBA, then you just got to do better than this. Um, Kawhi Leonard not shooting well. Um, and really, I didn't see a lot of urgency. I thought that was the biggest problem. Like, it's one thing if you're not shooting well. But when you have no urgency from, you know, the two players on your team that are supposed to be leading, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, that's a pretty big problem, I think. Um, and it's, I think it is kind of unfortunate because I did want to see the Clippers-Lakers matchup, but that's not what we got. You got to give some credit to Denver. Um, Jamal Murray was awesome. He had 40 points, 15-26 shooting. Uh, you know, Jokic with 22 rebounds in this one and 13 assists. Um, really kind of a crazy stat line for him, but... Um, I wanted to go to you on this uh, first, Brandon. What did you think about this series, and how surprised were you that the Clippers lost? 
I, I was definitely surprised. I mean, the Nuggets, a lot like the Heat, are just kind of trailblazing through these playoffs, and I, I've been incredibly impressed with them. And I think they'll give up, you know, they'll give a good fight to the Lakers. Uh, I think the Lakers will still come out on top of that series. But for this series, very, very unimpressed with Kawhi Leonard. Uh, you know, what you talked about with legacy, I think is really, really important. I, I, I wonder, like, someone like Kawhi or Paul George, what they think about that. Uh, it'd be interesting to hear their thoughts. But, you know, what? we're going to go to our special guest here. Avery, what are your thoughts on this series? Did you think the Clippers were going to win like us? I did. I did think they were going to come out with Game 7. It's unbelievable. The, the Nuggets, all, the last three games of the series, they were down double-digit leads and were able to come back and find a victory. It's Yeah. I love watching the Nuggets, though. Jamal Murray reminds me of Steph Curry in the way that he kind of could just dribble around the court, almost like fall down and throw up a shot, and somehow it goes straight in. And then Jokic, it's amazing. At the In the fourth quarter of every single game, their strategy is we're going to run the pick and roll with Jokic. He's just going to dribble around everybody and then find whoever's the open man and kick it to him. They've been knocking down shots, especially late in the game. Uh, yeah, big, big choke job, I would say, by Kawhi and Paul George. Uh, both with zero points in the fourth quarter of a game seven. That's not exactly what you want out of your superstars. Yeah, absolutely. No, not at all. Yeah, and, I, you know, it, it was really interesting. I, I just, obviously I was very surprised, but, again, it was the urgency that really stood out to me. I was just like, how can you not be, like, this is the conference semifinals. You're going against Denver Nuggets. You have a chance to go up and play the Lakers. I didn't understand, like, how can you not be, I don't know, they didn't seem all that upset. Like, they weren't, like, really um, urgent. But, uh, Ben, I want to get some of your thoughts as well on this series. What were uh, some of your thoughts? Yeah, so, I mean, at the beginning of the series, it, it seemed like the Clippers were the better team. And, I mean, that's that was to be expected, right? We, we assumed the Clippers would win this game, or this series, excuse me. Um, there was a lot of people that thought the Clippers would, would make it to the NBA Finals. And I definitely thought they had a, a really good chance of making the NBA Finals. Um, and not to sleep on the Nuggets, though. I mean, we talked about I remember talking about in the first round with the Nuggets how I thought they had a really good um, – they had some really good role players that could that could do a really good job for them. But after their first series against the Jazz, I don't know, even they got out of that series, I was a little down on the Nuggets. I didn't have a whole lot of confidence in them. Um, and then all of a sudden they get down 3-1 to the Clippers, and I thought there was no way. And then um, kind of like what you said, Trevor, the sense of urgency, especially in Game 7 down the stretch, it just felt like the Clippers didn't want to win as bad as the Nuggets did. Um, and as I'm looking at the box mm-hmm. score from Game 7, I mean, Kawhi Leonard goes 6 of 22 from the field in Game 7. You can't have that. He, he's a top three player in, in the world. Um, you can't have Kawhi Leonard going 6 of 22 in a Game 7. It's just it, you're not going to win with, with that with that kind of uh, production. So credit to the Nuggets. Obviously, um, it's no secret that I am a very big LeBron James fan. I'm cool with the Lakers playing the Nuggets because I think the Lakers are clearly the better team in that matchup. That being said, though, I, I really was looking forward to Clippers-Lakers uh, Western Conference Finals. I was really excited. I really thought that had the potential to be um, the best series of these playoffs. So I'm a little upset that that, that didn't happen. But um, like we saw in Game One with the Nuggets and the Lakers, I think the Lakers are the better team in that series. So I'll be interested to see how that series plays out uh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a perfect uh, transition to go to that that series, the Lakers and Nuggets. And um, you know, I, I think another reason why I wanted to see the Clippers is because now. As someone who, I mean, you guys, you and Brandon are both huge LeBron fans. I'm, I, I root for LeBron as well, and I want to see him go against the best and beat what is the best. Now, you could easily say, well, the Nuggets won, therefore they are the best, um, as opposed to the Clippers. But I, I did want to see him go against Kawhi and Paul George. I thought, like, defensively, I thought they would give LeBron a lot more trouble than what the Nuggets are doing. I know, like, Millsap and uh, Torrey Craig and those guys ha- did play some good defense against the Clippers, but I just think... 
um, against the Lakers now, I think it's going to be very tough for them to stop LeBron. I thought with Kawhi and Paul George, I mean, Kawhi in the past has done a very good job of defending LeBron. He's given him a lot of trouble, not stopped him by any means, but slowed him down at least. But now in this series, I think they're going to have a lot of trouble. And then with Anthony Davis there as well, um, Jokic isn't exactly as, as great of an offensive player as he is. I think defensively, he doesn't always have like the lateral quickness, I think, to be able to stay with Davis, you know, and, and some of their other players, I think, are ha- having a lot a hard time with Davis as well. So Lakers did win game one. Um, I think it's cl- the final score is closer than it actually was. Um, I stopped watching this game midway through the fourth quarter because it was a little bit of a blowout. Lakers just playing very well all around. Uh, Anthony Davis with an amazing game, uh, 37 points, 12 of 21 uh, 10 rebounds as well. So Anthony Davis has been Anthony Davis in particular has been amazing throughout this whole playoffs. And I also want to point out quickly Rondo because um, coming in the playoffs uh, with the Lakers, I was concerned with the Lakers because I was like, okay, LeBron and Anthony Davis, they're gonna play their part. They're gonna be amazing. But what are they gonna get from the other guys? You know, Rondo, Danny Green, Caldwell Pope, and it seems like Rondo has really stepped up. You know, especially like when LeBron's off the court, I think Rondo does a good job of you know, running the offense, leading the team, and he's someone who can have the ball in his hands and run the offense, and you don't have to really worry about him, like, uh, turning the ball over a ton, and he's really just, you know, he's been there. He has a lot of play of experience. So I like what Rondo's uh, done with the Lakers, but um, Avery, I wanted to go to you, just some of your thoughts um, on this series um, in this game and then going forward as well. Yeah, so the one big thing that I noticed from the Lakers is the previous series against the Rockets – Obviously, the Rockets are famous for their small ball, so the Lakers' bigs, Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, those guys didn't get any time at all whatsoever. And the biggest thing I noticed in the Nuggets series, especially in Game 1, as you'll probably see it throughout the rest of the series, is JaVale McGee started the game off. Dwight Howard had a big impact on the game. They're able to have guys to guard Jokic because they have long athletic bigs, so I think that's going to be the big key for them, whether it's going to push them over the top. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I definitely agree with that a lot. Um, because, you know, it's it's just another thing that the Lakers have that they can use now against the Nuggets. Um, it, it works much better, whereas against the Rockets, maybe it didn't quite as well. So I think it's going to be interesting to see going forward, but it's really going to be tough for the Nuggets. I have a hard time seeing how they're going to be able to push this series. I did pick the Lakers in six, but it's, I don't know, it's, it's going to be tough, I think, to push it to six or seven games. But Brandon, um, I know you're a huge LeBron fan. What do you think about how the Lakers have played um, in this opening game one and what do you think uh, going forward uh, will happen? You know, so obviously, you know, LeBron, I don't know if he had his absolute best game this past game. Anthony Davis played really, really well. But there's two other guys that played really well. I was actually going to mention it, but Avery already hopped on it. The bigs in this game played so well and they got Jokic in the foul trouble early and really took him out of the game. Dwight Howard was plus 14 in the plus minus and I mean, that's huge, especially, you know, a guy who, I mean, really all his job is is to be a, just to kind of be a pest. You know, it's not like he's out there to, to score 25 points. Um, but, you know, this game he kind of did. He went 4 for 8 from the field. He had 13 points. Um, and like you mentioned with Rondo, Rondo was fabulous. Really, the, these whole playoffs, Rondo has been so great. And uh, we talked about this the other day. I don't know if you, you just touched on it, but, you know, the Lakers' front court is not this amazing front court. And that's, or excuse me, backcourt isn't this amazing backcourt. Um, and it's, you know, it's really, really important in these playoffs to have those really great guards. Um, and that's something that they're kind of thriving without, uh, which is really, really amazing to see. We, we talked about, like, if they were to add Bradley Beal, I don't know if they would ever lose. It'd just be insane. 
uh, having Bradley Beal in this game. Uh, any last thoughts, Trevor, on, on the, the playoffs before we head on over to the NFL? Um, well, yeah, I did want to get the heat to the Celtics. Uh, we'll do it quickly. Oh, yes. But, um, Ben, I want to hear some of your quick thoughts about uh, the Lakers and how they are playing. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I'm, I'm glad Brandon and Avery both said something about the bigs because I completely agree. Um, against the Rockets, they they didn't it wasn't part of the winning formula to beat the Rockets to have the bigs play as much. So, uh, in game one, that was a big standout for me was the amount of minutes that Dwight Howard was playing. Even JaVale McGee got a decent amount of minutes. They were a big impact. Um, last thing I'll say about this, I already said I think the Lakers are clearly the better team. I think it showed in Game 1. Um, the Nuggets just don't have – they have two great players. Jokic and Jamal Murray are great players, but they're nowhere near uh, the caliber that LeBron James and Anthony Davis are, and I just don't think they're going to be able to keep up with those two. Um, they're great, but they're not the one-two punch that AD and LeBron are, so I, I really do think that's going to be the difference in this series. I just don't think the, the Nuggets have the power to keep up with the Lakers moving forward. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see moving forward. Jokic definitely cannot get into foul trouble. If he gets into foul trouble, to me, it's, you know, like, like the game, I, I felt like after he picked up some of those fouls, I felt like the game uh, pretty much was over, you know, shortly after that. But moving on to the Heat-Celtics series, we'll go through this one quickly. Um, the Heat are my favorite team. I'm, I'm happy to see that they are playing as well as they are. Um, they started up uh, going up 2-0. They did lose last night to the Celtics. Um, but I think this series is going to be a really good one, and I think it'll probably go seven games. I hope the Heat can pull it out, but I think it's really going to be a tough one uh, to win because it seems like, you know, the Heat in the first two games, they found a way, like they weathered the storm after the Celtics took some early leads, and um, they actually in, in certain um, situations started playing his own defense, which you don't see too often um, in the NBA, but it, it surprisingly it actually worked relatively well for the Heat. Um, given that, you know, their backcourt with Duncan Robinson and Goran Dragic aren't necessarily the best defenders. So this is something that in certain situations allows them to maybe uh, not have to put as much of a, like, not as much pressure on, like, Duncan Robinson when he has to guard Kemba Walker. So they did start off with those two really good wins, uh, closing very well. Jimmy Butler just making a lot of winning plays. And then in Game 3, the Celtics responded very well. Um, you know, pretty much a well-rounded um, effort in Game 3 last night. Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum was awesome, 25-14, and 14, um, and they won. So Game 4 is going to be really interesting. Um, we'll see what happens with that. But Avery, I want to get some of your thoughts on the Heat and Celtics series. Yeah, so I think the biggest thing that I've been watching is the chess match between the two coaches of Brad Stevens and Eric Spolstra. Uh, Spolstra obviously was the coach for the Heat when they had LeBron, Wade, and Bosh and won some championships. And everyone knows that, or everyone says that LeBron is always the coach whenever he goes. Like, he's never had great coaching. Like, Ty Lue, for example, they said LeBron carried the team. But I think people are starting to figure out that Eric Spolster is a really good coach being able to take this mm -hmm. roster that he's 100%. had and take it to the Eastern Conference Finals and go up he's up 2-1 right now. And Brad Stevens is known as being a very good coach, but I think he's on the hot seat right now because obviously the Celtics have struggled in some series that they've had recently, having some leads blown and going down 0-2 to start this series. Big win to come back yesterday. Obviously, you can't go down 3-0 in the NBA playoffs. But the chess match between the two coaches has been very interesting to see how they strategize against each other. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with that, and I agree. I'm glad that you uh, talked about how Spo has really proven himself um, as a coach. 
Um, and it's just crazy, you know, the Heat, I think, are such a great organization and the way they've kind of, you know, after LeBron left and then obviously like the thing with Bosch happened when he was supposed to be kind of the focal point moving forward. And then obviously Dwayne Wade, you know, he's getting ready to retire and how they've kind of already uh, built this team back to being, you know, potentially a contender. Um, but Brandon or Ben, do you guys have any uh, last thoughts on this series before we get into the NFL? I'll ben say ben. this. I will say this. Um, I, I really don't, I don't, I don't really care that much who wins between the Heat and the Celtics. Um, I, I like them both. I actually, I, I actually have, uh, I'll be cool with either of them winning. I, I think like you said, or like Avery said, both have awesome coaches. I think they're both extremely well-ran organizations. Um, I, however, I do think, knock on what if the Lakers were to make the NBA finals, I think it's an intriguing matchup either way. Cause you either have the Lakers Celtics, which historically is an awesome NBA finals, uh, matchup, or you have the Lakers versus the Heat. You have LeBron versus his old coach uh, versus his old team versus Pat Riley, who he's he's come to be very close with. So, obviously, I'm rooting for LeBron to make the finals. But uh, who LeBron would theoretically play in that finals? I don't care. I think it's awesome either way. I think it's great for the NBA. Um, this has been a very interesting year for the NBA in general. So, I, I think it would be an awesome uh, uh, outcome either way. So, I'm excited. I, I'm very excited for this series. Like I said, I, I I do think I'm glad the Celtics won last night. I, I'm glad it's. They made it a competitive series because I, I do think this series has the potential to be a really, really good series moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Brandon, you want to move on to the NFL now? Let's do it. Let's get to the NFL. So, week one finished up last week. Obviously, this is coming out after week two. But I wanted to get into some of our kind of big takeaways we had uh, from week one in the NFL. And I guess, you know, last Thursday night's game with with uh, everyone's favorite quarterback, Baker Mayfield, too, potentially. So, Trevor, what are some takeaways you have? Um, so, the, the main game, obviously, that I was excited to watch was the Buccaneers-Saints game. I watched the full game, so I guess I'll talk about that one, since that's the game I'm most knowledgeable about. Um, now, I'm a, I'm a huge Tom Brady fan, obviously. He's my favorite player um, in NFL history. So, I was, I'm rooting for the Bucs uh, in this game, obviously. And I, I thought it was interesting. You know, I thought they started out well. They had a very good uh, first drive um, after they stopped the Saints driving right down the field. Brady threw some nice passes. Uh, the running game was going well, and they went up 7 nothing. Now, after that, we did see, um, obviously, Brady with the new receivers. We saw a miscommunication on their next drive, and we saw an interception thrown. Mike Evans stopped short of the route. Um, or there, there was just a miscommunication. I don't know whose fault it was necessarily, but regardless, um, it was an interception, set the Saints up in a good possession or in a good position to score. And then from there on, it was like they were playing catch up, which made it uh, very tough. Uh, the Saints are a very good team. I think they're arguably the best team in the NFC. So I, I know that the story a lot of the times is going to be like, oh, well, Tom Brady, you know, he has these two interceptions. He's playing badly. And I, I don't think he played well overall, but I think there are some, there were some flashes that he showed that could be, um, that, that I think shows a little bit of optimism going forward, but ultimately the Buccaneers made a lot of mistakes in this game. So many penalties, uh, the punt that they totally just, I have no, it was, it was horrible. That, that punt that they missed, the Saints recovered from like their, the 15 yard line scored again from there. And, um, it could have been a close game that the Buccaneers had a shot, but the Saints did take this one. Um, so yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to go going forward, but again, I mean, if you count out Tom Brady, I mean, I think that's probably uh, not a good idea, to be honest, even at age 43. Yeah, I, I don't know. The, the, the Buccaneers game, to me, was very interesting. I, it, I, I think it's going to take some time for the Buccaneers to kind of really get into the, the spell of things and kind of 
uh, hit their stride, and I, I think potentially they will. Um, it's going to be interesting when that is, whether that's this season or even maybe next season. Uh, Avery, you got any uh, big takeaways from this week? Uh, in terms of the NFL, like you said, with the Tom Brady situation playing on a new team, we had a couple situations like that throughout the league, like Camp Newton in New England and Tyrod Taylor in Los Angeles and a couple new quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks like Joe Burrow. It was obvious to see that having no preseason definitely hurt the chemistry between the quarterbacks and receivers. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that a lot of teams can get that figured out to make the games more competitive through the, through the air for the rest of the season. Yeah, that makes sense. So, Ben, before I get to you, I'm just going to kind of give my one big takeaway I had. Uh, to me, I'm always impressed um, with teams that I think have high expectations and do not, uh, you know, do not meet those expectations. To me, that was the Colts this past week, losing to the Jaguars, who really have no business beating them, even if it wasn't a away game. You know, I, I thought Phillip Rivers uh, would be better, and he was good. I thought just the team collectively would play better, and I was really not impressed with the Colts at all. Uh, ben, you got any big takeaways from this week? So I actually have two takeaways. The first one, I thought the Green Bay Packers looked really, really good against the Vikings. Yeah. Um, 100%. They won by nine points. I actually think that score is a little misleading. I think they looked clearly like the better team. Um, and last week, if you remember, I picked the Vikings to win that that uh, division. I think Trevor did too. I think Brandon was the only one that picked the Packers to win that division. And the Packers clearly looked like the better team there. Aaron Rodgers looked really good. So I, I, I'm, I'm very excited to see how the Packers play this year. I, th- I thought uh, they surprised me with, with how well they played last week. My other big takeaway, um, it's extremely biased, but I think Joe Burrow is a really, really good quarterback. Um Obviously, it's no secret. I love Joe Burrow. I love the Cincinnati Bengals. I've been a fan of Joe Burrow since he was in high school. Um, I think he's looked really good, and he's been under a lot of pressure. He's on a terrible team. That's no secret. My fear is that the Bengals, they're not going to be able to protect him. He's going to take a lot of hits this year. I really hope um, that's not the case because he's their biggest asset, and you have to be able to uh, protect your assets. But that being said, he I mean, he first game, he looked really well. Um, last, the last drive of the, of the game, he went right down, didn't blink. Uh, he looked amazing. And they had a chance to tie the game. Didn't work out that way. It's okay. They're the Cincinnati Bengals. You expect that. Um, then he has four days rest, and all of a sudden he's playing another game on Thursday Night Football, and he didn't blink. He threw the ball 61 times. He did everything they asked of him. So I think Joe Burrow has the potential to be a really, really good NFL quarterback. I'm always excited to see how especially quarterbacks do coming from college to the NFL because it is a massive learning curve. Um, Big jump. Jump, jumping to the NFL. And Joe Burrow seems like he belongs there. Very rarely do I feel like I see an NFL, or an NFL quarterback as a rookie that – um, seems like as comfortable and as confident as he is in the pocket, even with the terrible offensive line around him. So obviously it's a biased take, but I was very impressed with Joe Burrow. I'm very excited to see what this season and what his career has in store for him. Well, while I might be biased, I actually 100% agree with you. I'm, I'm very impressed with Joe Burrow um, over the two games that he's played. I, I think he will. To me, it just seems so hard for him to not succeed in the NFL. I just think he has so much talent. Um, Brandon, you got to stop saying that, bro. You got to stop saying that because I don't want you to jinx it. Yeah. I like Joe Burrow. He seems good to me. Any any last thoughts, Trevor, Avery, Ben, uh, before we head into our kind of main portion of today's episode? Uh, I'll just say for the NFL, the two games that stuck out to me the most were the, the Cardinals' victory over the 49ers. Yeah, big uh, the victory. 40, 49ers' defense is known to be holding teams pretty low scoring, and Kyler Murray was able to pick them apart a little bit. His, his scrambling ability is unbelievable. Uh, and then also the Washington football team. That's my favorite name in the NFL right now. Uh, the big win over the Eagles, they, they dominated that game for the most part. Uh, Ron Rivera, the first game with the, with the team, is a really good big win for him over a, a very good opponent, and I enjoyed watching that game as well. Yeah, I was also... So I want to I say one quick thing about Avery's, what Avery just said about Kyler Murray. Everyone is very hyped up about a certain quarterback uh, in the NFL, and they all think he's going to be the number one overall pick. 
And there's a quarterback on a team that I personally do not like at a school that Avery went to, who I think is exactly like Kyler Murray and should be the number one overall pick next year. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens then. But uh, Kyler Murray's great. I, I love Kyler Murray. Trevor, what was your uh, your final thought there? Yeah, I was just going to say that I was also very surprised uh, that Washington got the win over the Eagles. I did not expect that at yeah. all. And then in addition, Ben, uh, just to let you know, Brandon's doing this on purpose. He's trying to, like, curse the Bengals. That's, <laughs> that's the only reason why he's hyping up Burrow as much as he is. I you know not. What? I like Bill <laughs> Burrow. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Brandon like thinks he's Brandon thinks he's the big deal because the Ravens are they, you know they have a running back that plays quarterback at times and you know they're a good team this year blah 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 so you know Brandon Brandon Brandon's got a lot of confidence this NFL season I'm not I'm not happy with it I don't know about running back I'm pretty sure that running back threw for the most touchdowns last year so it sounds like a quarterback to me but you know what we digress we go into our main topic today so of course our special guest is Avery Van Reed and I was super excited to have him on because Avery got to experience a lot of things that the average person would not be able to being uh, the senior manager. Um, uh, for the Ohio State basketball team. So Avery, um, like I said, we're all super excited to talk about this. So how did how did you get started in being a manager? I, w- I want to kind of want to compare it to Trevor's experience being a manager for the the BGSU basketball team. Yeah. So for the most part, uh, in order to be a manager, you have to send in like a, any other job would be uh, send in a cover letter and a resume about your experiences and why you think you'd be a great posi- a fit for the position. Uh, luckily for me, I kind of had an inside source. Uh, Dallas Lauderdale, who is a high school player with the Solon, Ohio legend, yeah. uh, played at Ohio State. My dad was his high school coach, so I was kind of close with a couple people in the program before I, w- I got there. And then right before I applied for the position was when Thad Mata uh, retired and Chris Holtman and his staff came in. Luckily, there's still one person left from Thad's staff who stayed there. And we were pretty close with him. I've known him for a very long time. And he's the one in charge of the managers. So he's kind of the the one that got me into it. And I was almost like a guaranteed hire, I guess you could say, just because I knew people in the program. Like, we have situations like that. Like, if you're a friend of the coaches or something like that, you'll more than likely get hired for the job. So that's kind of how I got my way in. Was that similar to you, Trevor? Did you have to go through like an application, maybe not application process, but like a resume process? Um, not really. So I would say at, at BGSU, I don't think it was quite as formal or as difficult to become a manager. Um, we had a lot of managers at BG, and I was only I was only a manager for one year, my senior year. But um, really, I I went and talked to um the person who was also in charge of the managers. Um, I I reached out to him. Uh, really actually through Taylor, who is the director of marketing. I, I talked with him as well, and I guess I guess he was someone who kind of put in a word for me, but I also just uh, reached out to uh, him through email, and then I sat down with him and really just had like a talk yeah. for, you know, 20 minutes or so and talked to him about like the different things that I wanted to uh, do with the, with the program, really just stressing like um, how much I like recruiting and, you know, just trying to talk about how I could help him with recruiting and uh, different things like that, and I think that's ultimately what got me uh, the position. But I, I don't think it's as in depth of a process as it is in Ohio State. It sounds like. Yeah, no, it, it seems like Ohio State's definitely a little more, a uh, little more in depth. It's definitely a little bit of a bigger program. Uh, I, I wish BG was a little bit bigger, <laughs> uh, but it, Ohio State's is slightly bigger. Uh, so Avery, what was what was kind of that first memory where you're like, whoa, this is like, you know, re- like obviously you know it's Ohio State basketball, it's a serious program, but what's your like kind of first memory that you had where you're like, whoa, this is like, you know, a really cool thing to be a part of, or this is really serious, you know, we, we got, you know, like a bond of guys here, um, you know, that we can, you know, play well and do well. Yeah, so I would say there's two things that stick out in my mind the most. The first was uh, 
the practice before the Oklahoma football game, my sophomore year, where Baker Mayfield, famous game where he Ooh. planted the flag, I'd never forgive him for that. Uh, we had a practice right before that game, and uh, it was an alumni game. So a lot of these former players came back, and we had a bunch of players like uh, Evan Turner came back, John yeah. Diebler, all these guys. And C.J. McCollum was actually there because he's really close with a lot of the players yeah. that used to play at Ohio State. So having practice and having all those guys like there for practice was like the first experience where I was just like, okay, this is pretty pretty cool experience I'm going to have here. And then the second one was uh, the Michigan State game that same year we played at home. It was like right after we got back from holiday break. Uh, they were the number one team in the nation, yeah. and we were kind of struggling to figure out identity a little bit. We struggled in the beginning of the season a little bit, but won a couple games over break, would kind of start to figure it out. And then we ended up beating them by like 20 points, number one team in the nation at the time. And that was an unbelievable Crazy. experience. Yeah. yeah you, you've gotten pretty lucky. Trevor, I'll, yeah, I'll go pass you once. You've gotten pretty lucky because you've had a lot of good Ohio State teams, which it hasn't been, not that Ohio State's ever been bad per se at basketball, but it, definitely recently they've been really, really great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, unfortunately, that's, Part of the reason why I think Thad might have retired was the team was struggling a little bit, had some guys leave, yeah. uh, just some situations in the program where things weren't working out very well. So the new coaching staff came in and did an unbelievable job of turning yeah. the program around. Great. Oh, I love I love Coach Holtman. He's he's the most honest coach that I've ever gotten to work with. Like he's very personable with his players, and he's a no BS guy. Like he will tell you exactly what's on his mind and what yeah. he wants you to do. Like there's no way around it. 100%. Trevor, I'll pass it back over to you. Yeah, so I guess regarding that Michigan State game, and just like that kind of season in general, because Ohio State didn't have like the greatest start, but then that Michigan State game, around when they got in their Big Ten schedule, they really kind of went on a run, and that's when you saw like them uh, start to rise up in the polls. They really, uh, they, they would beat Purdue later in the season, who I think was number three at the time on the schedule I'm looking at, and then they got the NCAA tournament as well. So what, what was it kind of like being a part of uh, a team who was, you know, being very successful? They went to the NCAA tournament. Unfortunately, it was cut short against Gonzaga, but, you know, they, they were playing very well. So what, what was that experience like? Yeah, that first year was the best first year you could possibly ask for. I mean, we were one game away from being co-Big Ten champions with Michigan State. Uh, a lot of big games like that Purdue game, like you said, was that was for first place in the Big Ten, one with two seconds left with a, a tip in. Uh, we had an unbelievable team that year. A lot of the guys played up to their potential, like Kata Bates-Diop especially. He was a role player, starter, kind of. Didn't have a re- real big impact until that year where he came back and obviously was Big Ten Player of the Year, was drafted by the Timberwolves. Uh, we had guys like Jay Sean Tate, who's playing overseas, having a great career right now. He was the workhorse mm-hmm. of the program. Uh, a couple other guys, role players that just stepped up completely. Caleb Weston was Big Ten Freshman of the Year that year. Like We almost racked in all of the awards that year because everyone was surprised on our success. Yeah, absolutely. And the, and the next thing I want to go to is um, – because when we talked to uh, Noah on the podcast, you know, a month or two ago, and he was in a manager at uh, OU, and he talked about some of his like traveling experiences. I wanted to like hear about like some of your traveling experiences, and maybe like, is there any one like opposing arena that you would pick as your favorite? Maybe if if you, I mean, I don't know how much traveling experience you had, but I guess just I, I was curious about that. Yeah. So the way it works in our program is uh, your first year, you get one travel game. 
and then your second year you get a couple travel games and as you work your way up to being a senior you'll get obviously the better travel games and get to go on more trips and stuff like that so this past year was obviously the best year for me in terms of travel I got to go to the North Carolina road game where we won by 25 which is an unbelievable mm. experience that place is incredible I, I recommend any college basketball junkie has to go see a game there that's one of my top five favorite places uh Mackey Arena my junior year we we struggled we had a couple guys hurt and they they blew us out on their senior night that play that was the loudest arena I've ever been in because it's concrete yeah. walls everywhere the sound just completely bounces off it's that place is and the fans are right on top of you like there's literally zero room between you and the wall where the fans are so they're obviously very loud uh got to play in Las Vegas this past year against Kentucky which was really cool got a couple day vacation right before Christmas in Las Vegas can't complain about that um at Michigan, obviously, big rivalry. Not so much as in basketball as it is in football, but that's obviously a hostile environment. That was really fun this past year, getting a victory there. Uh, yeah, those are probably the most most places I remember in terms of like the best atmospheres and coolest trips that I've gotten to go on here recently. Yeah, I think um, I'll, I'll give it to you, Brandon, in a second. I think it's definitely like like interesting because Ohio State they they had a very good team I believe that would have been your sophomore year and then this past year they were very good as well um so it's definitely like interesting here North Carolina is definitely one of the arenas that I really want to go to and then with Mackey like you always hear about how they're like so loud like that's what like the announcers always say and and stuff like that but I'm sure you, you don't really know until you're actually there so um I'm sure those are some great experiences so I kind of want to get into some players because you've been around a lot of great players. And, you know, Trevor and I, especially, and Ben being a part of athletics, we've been blessed to be around, you know, some good players. You know, BG's not quite at the program as, you know, a Big Ten Ohio State uh, school. So I want to hear about, you know, some of the players you've been around. And then if you could list some of your favorite guys that you've been around, whether it's, you know, the better, the guys that are in the NBA today or just some guys that you really bonded with well. Yeah, so the, the I'll say for this, uh, I've got to work with some actual NBA players, which is really cool, especially during the summer times when guys are able to come back and want to do workouts with their trainers and stuff. So, like, this past summer, I was able to do workouts with guys like Mike Conley. He brought in a couple of trainers. I was able to help out with his workout. Got to hang out with D'Angelo Russell when he was in doing a workout. So, obviously, some of the best players in the NBA come through there all the time, which is an unbelievable experience, getting to work with them, talk with them, make connections, uh, stuff like that. And we have had players ourselves, like Kata Bates-Diop, like I said, getting drafted in the NBA. Caleb Wesson, who's getting ready to enter the draft process right now once they can figure out that situation. Uh, yeah, we've had a lot of talent. I mean, I guess you could say above average for Ohio State basketball. Nothing for like sure. what they had What they had in, like, Greg Oden, Mike Conley's team, where they had four or five guys yeah. on the NBA or anything like that. But some really solid college basketball players. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like I said, we've been blessed. We've been around some, some good guys, uh, but no, nothing to that caliber. Who would you say was your favorite guy to be around? Who favorite player that I got to work with. That's that's really tough because we, we always had a great relationship with the players because they understand that, like, we're not doing this for money or anything like that. We're doing this to be part of the program. We're there to help yeah. them. So the relationship between the players and managers was always great no matter who the player was. So it, it, there wasn't really a set guy that I think that I got along with the most. Like sometimes I'll play like PlayStation with some of the players. Sometimes we'll hang out. I'm closer with some of them, I guess you could say, than others. But like there's always a good relationship. There's not really a, a set player or a couple players that like 
I I got along with more than others. It was just kind of like relationship based. Like, oh, this guy is looking to do something. Like, okay, I guess I'll hang out with him because the other guys aren't doing anything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. That makes sense. That makes sense. Cover, go ahead. Yeah, um, I actually, I don't know if you were at the uh, West Virginia game at Quicken Loans last year, but I, I went, and that was such a fun game because, like, it was really interesting how it was on a neutral site, but, like, there were a ton of West Virginia fans and a ton of Ohio State fans, and I was there. Like, I, because I'm I'm a West Virginia fan, and I went with my dad, who's a huge Ohio State fan, um, and also, like, we had, like, Derek Culver, who went to my high school and stuff like that, so... I personally was rooting for West Virginia, but it was really just fun to watch that game. It was a very good one. Uh, they were both very good teams at the time. Uh, were you at that game by chance, or? I was not at that game. That was I was at the Vegas game, which was right before Christmas, oh, and that right. game was right after Christmas. So we kind of made sure our schedules managed up so that some of us could spend more time with our families. Because obviously, I wasn't able to be with my family the few days before Christmas, so mm-hmm. I wanted to take, make sure I had some time to be at home with my family right after that so we kind of split up the managers for those games yeah absolutely you have anything so right? ben i'm gonna throw this over to you uh do you have any questions you'd like to ask avery i do i have a couple questions i'd like to ask him first one avery i'd love to know um take us through what a game day looks like for you as as a team manager so how early are you getting there what kind of responsibilities do you have uh pre-game helping them warm up stuff like that and then um during the game what kind of responsibilities do you have whether that's um, I always see the managers, you know, you're setting up the chairs, you're handing the, the coach the clipboard. So just just take us through what, what a game day is like uh, for somebody at, uh, that's a student manager at a school like Ohio State. Yeah, so uh, you go to classes for the beginning of the day, uh, usually around, if it's usually a 7 o'clock tip-off for most games at home. Mm-hmm. So the players will get there around like 1.32, uh, which is usually when we get there, and then they'll do their shoot-around, which takes about an hour they do like walkthroughs and stuff, watch a little film on the court and stuff like that. And then we do that. And then when it's a home game, that's usually when the players would go up to eat their team meal uh, right after they do the walkthrough. So that's kind of the time where we played like our manager pickup games, the world famous manager pickup games that we always played. Like those are some of the most intense and fun games that I've ever got to play as a basketball player, honestly. We would, would you run fives? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We run fives. Oh, and, wow. and we'd have guys like, other staff members like Greg Oden, like <laughs> being friends with him is a really cool experience. When he was there, my first two years, he'd play pickup games with us, which I was like, okay, I was one of the bigger managers, so I'm like, okay, I'm guarding the 2007 oh. number one pick in the NBA draft right now, <laughs> no, wow. and he's gonna, he's going to eat me alive. So I'm, I'm just gonna enjoy this while I can. Uh, and you got another guy, Terrence Dials, who's currently on the staff there. He was 2006. Yeah, 2005 or 2006, Big Ten Player of the Year, big guy. I had to guard him all the time. Now, those two guys don't quite move like they used to, so I could kind of finesse my way around him a little bit. But, yeah, those which when we played our, our famous manager games. And then uh, if it's a 7 o'clock game, they usually start the 90-minute clock, obviously, at around 5.30. So from, like, 4 to 5.30, you're showering after the game. You get, we get to go up and eat the team meal, whatever the players don't eat, which is kind of nice. Um and we kind of just hang out, maybe do some homework for a little bit, and then get cleaned up, get yourself game day ready. Um, and then for the game, uh, like you said, like the manager's always the ones taking the stools out there for the mm-hmm. floor. We yeah. all got clipboards. We're taking like personal statistics for the coaches that you won't see on the stat sheets. Uh, we put a game report together for them after the game, so that's kind of how we use those statistics. Uh, 
guys doing like towels and waters behind the bench, keeping guys hydrated. If you're a first year guy, it's kind of cool. Like you get to mop the floors during the game. Like it's a weird job. <laughs> it, it, it makes you look like you're not as important, but you also got a better seat because you're like right behind the backboard yeah. and you get to like, I don't know, it's a lot less responsibility. So you kind of get to lay off a little bit, but, uh, and then for the most part, that's, basically how the game goes we we do the post game statistics afterward and make sure everything's cleaned up from the, from the bench and the locker room after everyone leaves and stuff like that so that's basically how a, a home game would go for us so i have i have one more question for you avery and this is a question that i am extremely excited to ask i know brandon probably is extremely excited to hear the answer to this oh i, I know what you, he's about to ask i want you to tell me about the articles of clothing that you get as a manager <laughs> at a school like ohio state because i'll say brandon and i and trevor We've gotten some cool stuff. I'm nowhere near what you have gotten, but we're at a school like Bowling Green. Uh, Brandon and I, I know got... Avery. I know Avery's got a good answer here because I remember him sending me a picture of something. I hope he mentions it. I hope he mentions y- it. Yes, because I mean Brandon and I were unpaid interns in the marketing department, and even we got we got a free pair of shoes. So we we've got some, some gotten some cool stuff. So I'd love to hear what somebody at a school like Ohio State that has a great relationship with Nike has a great relationship with LeBron James. I'd love to hear uh, the gear that that you guys get uh, for being being managers of the basketball team. I'm surprised you guys didn't ask that question sooner. I was waiting for that question. Uh, so we all get the same thing every year for the most part in terms of practice stuff. You get two shirts, two pairs of shorts, two pairs of compression shorts, two pairs of socks, and a pair of basketball shoes. That's your practice outfit. You wear that every single day to practice. And then for game days, you'll get your game day polo. We'll get some Nike golf pants and stuff like that. And then other than that, it's just a smorgasbord of just random stuff throughout the year. Uh, our equipment guy, Eric Buchanan, unbelievable guy, always looked out for the managers. I call him Santa Claus sometimes because every once in a while there would just be stuff waiting in our locker and it was like just gifts from him like at random times. It was unbelievable. Like, um, I'm trying to think of some of the cooler stuff I've got. Like we've got everything from shirts, hoodies, sweatpants, tennis shoes, uh, winter coats, which are really nice. That was one of my favorite things. Uh that, that was in. I pushed in our athletics meetings. I wanted to get a winter coat so bad. And I know Ben remembers me pushing very hard, and we never got them. Yeah, I was so upset we didn't get them. They're expensive. They're expensive, but I, I wanted one yeah. for sure. Yeah, they're, they're definitely expensive, but we, we got lucky one year and was able to get them. Uh, stuff like hats and gloves all the time. Uh, I mean, and nothing like unusual, like that other managers would get. We just got, I guess, a little bit more. Uh, some of the stuff was nicer quality, and everything was LeBron branded. Right. So that's how you kind of know, like oh, that's so you'll, awesome. you'll you'll see the stuff so like cool. all the all the students stuff will buy. We'll have the Nike logo, and then we'll have some of the nicer stuff that has the LeBron brand logo, and that's like yeah, the crown. It, it's almost like a like a reality check. Like, ooh, this guy must be important. He's wearing like the LeBron logo. He's, right, he, right. He's, affili- he's affiliated with a basketball or football team because the football has the LeBron sponsorship too. Mm-hmm. So it it was kind of a soft flex for some guys, I'll say. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I a we, I 100% understand that. So just, just I want to ask you one more question about that because I I love the gear. I'm all about it. I I know you've shown me some pictures of shoes. Yeah, what 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 basketball shoes were you were you blessed with? And I know uh, we're both shoe guys, so I'm excited to hear this. Yeah, so I've worn a couple of LeBron soldiers a couple of times. Uh, a pair of the hyper dunk lows. That's what I wore last year. I was those were really comfortable for me. Like great. It, it, it wasn't so much for me about like how they look. It was comfortable because I was always on my feet running around, like helping out in practice and stuff. So it's almost like being a player. Like if you can't perform with the shoes that you're wearing, like you right. better find the right pair of shoes. 
exactly. but we got a few pair of shoes. I was able to get we got a LeBron fourteen lows that were custom that like only the team can get. That was one of the yeah. cool things. Um, and you still have them? Oh yeah, I still got everything. I my problem is I have too much stuff. Like, and I oh. don't. I kinda, that, that is not an issue. <laughs> I I, I kind of want to get rid of it because my closet's overflowing with like. I mean, I have a lot of clothes, but like a fourth of it is just the stuff that I've gotten from Ohio State. So I'm trying to find ways where I can, I don't know, get rid of it, it's, get it's it to funny. the right people. But yeah, yeah. Avery, it's funny. I got to send you a picture. Uh, my last year, I, I, Ben and I, we took a picture of all the stuff I got from athletics. And I, I would love to see like how it'd be like 25% of what you got. And I got a good amount of stuff over my four years, but it'd be interesting to see how it compares out. But those, those LeBron four teams, I mean, the, with the, I'm sure they have like the Ohio state logo and stuff. You, you can't right. get rid of those ever. That, that's no, no. a prize possession. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a bring out for like football game days. Whenever I'm back on campus, like again, another soft flex whenever I need to. That's, that's a, that's a pretty hard flex. I'll give it to the, give it to you. That's, that's a good flex. Yeah. Uh, it, gentlemen, any other, any other questions you have? I, I want, I have a final question myself, uh, but if you guys want to get in there. Yeah. As I'm a, good. I don't, I don't have any more, so go ahead, Trevor. As another former Ohio State alumni, Mark Titus would always joke, Ohio State's almost like a LeBron <laughs> school, just like yes. North Carolina's like a Jordan school, but I, I'm still like kind of stuck on the Greg Oden thing. So like, was Greg Oden like taking it easy on you in the post or was he just kind of, you know. Like I'm, I don't know. I'm still stuck on it. He, he would pick and choose his his timing a little bit because he doesn't get up and down as well as he used to. Yeah. And he he kind of would finesse like work on his jump shot a little bit. But every once in a while, when when things weren't going well for his team, he would just say, "Screw it, just give me the ball. I'm about to go put my nuts in this guy's face." <laughs> and sometimes that would be me. It was it's it's frustrating, but it's kind of funny because it's just like like what am I gonna do? I, I just stand there and take it. I guess nothing I can do. It's, but my, my our relationship with Greg was unbelievable. We got to do a lot of stuff with him. Uh, he came to like yeah. our man. I came to a couple manager fest, which is like our end of the year parties that we'd have for all the managers and stuff. He came to that a couple times. Uh, got to hang out with him after the North Carolina game. We went out with him and Mark Titus. Got to meet up with wow. them for a little bit while, spend the night, and that was really cool. Uh, yeah, Greg. Greg's an unbelievable person. Like you'll hear it from anybody. Like he was a great basketball player, but he's an even better person. One of my favorite people I got to work with for sure. Yeah, that's that's, that's another really hear. great flex that you got to you got to play basketball against Greg Oden. The way you the way you said it was perfect. Like the 2007 first overall, whatever year it was, I had to guard him. <laughs> Just the perfect the, way to put it. The, the one guy that got drafted over Kevin Durant, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> that's the one guy you got. All right, so I I have one final question. Um, and I, I think we'll wrap it up there unless Trevor, you have any more questions. What is your crown jewel memory? from from the team whether it's the north carolina memory or any other memory what's like the memory that you know it's something that you're never gonna forget from your time uh, cool. i'd say the one thing i guess the one thing i'll never forget i wouldn't call it a crown jewel but it would be when the uh the virus hit this past spring in march that was the moment that i think will always stand out to me because we were on the way to indianapolis going to the big 10 tournament we're playing the, the next evening and like that's when you start finding out a couple things like the virus stuff. It starts kind of like, I don't know, word starts getting out about stuff. And then we get to Indianapolis. We're setting up and stuff. We're hanging out in our hotel rooms the night before the game. And that's when like the Rudy Gobert situation went down and the NBA got shut down. And like it just seemed like the sports world stopped that night. And we were like, 
in awe. Like, we had no idea what to do. So, like, the next morning we woke up, we had to, like, kind of prepare like it was going to be game day, but we kind of had a feeling like we weren't going to play that day. And it was, yeah. like, ar- around lunchtime, they're like, okay, just go pack up the stuff. We're, we're going home now. Like, this thing's being shut down. And we're just like, this is unbelievable. And then on the bus ride home was when they canceled the NCAA tournament. And it was, like, it was pretty pretty rough being a senior manager like that was my gonna be my first time at the Big Ten tournament getting to go to the NCAA tournament and everything just completely gets taken away in a moment of a couple hours so that's the one memory doesn't sound too exciting but it's the one memory that's always gonna stick out with me it's 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 unfortunate but it, it was the right decision obviously and hopefully they can get things back to normal so we can play again this year yeah it it's interesting we I wouldn't say our our memory of that is exactly the same because our our we weren't for sure gonna go you know Bowling Green but BG had a good chance of going they they were pretty good and they had a decent shot at winning the tournament um and it, you know it was very crushing we I don't know if you know this Avery BG hasn't been to I think it's sixty four years they haven't been since they've been to uh is that correct Ben sixty four uh no it's fifty two years fifty two years I was close fifty two <laughs> years since BG has made it to a, an NCAA tournament and we we were probably gonna be close this year if if not going. Yeah, um, it it was yeah. frustrating for us. We we were coming off a, a stretch of really good games. We beat a top ten Maryland team, beat Michigan at home who was ranked in the top twenty, just beat Illinois on senior night who was ranked in the top twenty. Like we were playing some of our best ball at the end of the season. Yeah. And then, and then all of a sudden, like nothing. Like we don't get to find yeah. out what the season gonna look like. It's it was frustrating and very disappointing, but what are you going to do? Yeah, right. All right, well, I think that's kind of what we'll wrap it up uh, here for today. Avery, thank you so much for being on. We, I think I could collectively say for all of us, we had a blast talking to you, especially about how you know you had to go up against Greg Godin. You know, that, that's just what it was that day. Um, anything you want to shout out your socials if you want or anything you want to shout out? Uh, shout out to the managers. Hopefully uh, they can get things rolling this year. They're going to have a lot of responsibility this year. Uh, they're wearing freaking masks and gloves during personal workouts right now, which is obviously mm. quite interesting. Uh, for in terms of the Lakers Nuggets series, I kind of have a soft spot for the Nuggets. My guy Kata Bates Diop is on the bench of that team. Okay, hopefully he can get a little playing time over there. Uh, uh, hopefully the Chargers will lose by less than thirty today against the Chiefs. That's, that's what I'll end on. <laughs> Just keep keep, keep it within four scores, and I'll be happy. That's great. All right. Well, like I said, thank you so much for being here. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate um, you guys having said, me. Of course, of course. That being said, thank you all so much for listening today uh, to the episode. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed it. Subscribe to the podcast, and of course, follow us on Twitter at the Small Ballers, so you know when all of our podcasts go live um, from our podcast network. But like I said, with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons.